everybody. We're excited to be back in studio uh, to record season two. Have you checked out season one yet? If not, please catch up and meet us back here. I'm Chantel Walker, CEO of Read Autism Services. I'm Jen Faust, Director of Operations. Thanks for joining us today on Changemakers in Autism. We are joined by a really special guest, Pat Capra, who is President and CEO of Malka Sports. Hey, Pat. Thank Hello, you so Pat. much for having me. What's going on, guys? <laughs> hey. I appreciate it. Thanks only, for joining only us. It took the season two to get me in here. I've been, you know, trying hard. You're, you're a tough guest to corral, <laughs> to you know. Book. We yeah. are really happy that you've carved out, I think, um, nine minutes is what you Absolutely. A whole nine minutes just <laughs> yeah, for you guys. That I is... might extend it. Okay. I'll cancel some meetings for okay. you. But, uh, in all seriousness, thanks mm -hmm. so much for having me. Obviously, super psyched that you guys are even, you know, doing this and pushing forward. I think, you know, for people to understand all the great things that are happening, not only in Reed, um, but even outside and, and sharing so many outside stories. I think it's going to be a great resource for people across the country. Thank you. Thanks. I appreciate that. I mean, Pat, you get us, you know, you've been with Reed for a long time. You're definitely a friend and a board member, but then you also have this terrific business and you've found a way to sort of commingle both things. And we're mm -hmm. here today to kind of find out a little bit more about that about your expertise and how other nonprofits like ours can um, develop these these friendships as yeah. well. No, absolutely. Excited to chat about it. All right. So tell us, how did you get started in this industry? Uh, that's a good question. Mm -hmm. uh, since I'm a little bit older now, I'll try to keep the story short because it gets older and older. Consolidate. Four score in seven years. Exactly. Camera makes me look older than I am. But uh, long story short, I wanted to get into sports broadcasting, got an internship, which led to a job with the New York Giants. I had done broadcasting in college and, and uh, had prepared me for that opportunity. And then once I got a job with the Giants, it was incredible, an amazing organization to work for. Uh, they went to the Super Bowl that year, and so it was a ton of fun. Um, unfortunately, they lost. But um, in, in doing that, I developed a lot of friendships and relationships with athletes on the team. And basically, they would complain about these empty promises. They were trying to, you know, get stuff done off the field, and they weren't getting help. So I just, I didn't understand what that meant, these empty promises from their agents, that when they recruited them, they were going to help them with all these other services off the field. Uh, but once they signed their contract, they weren't getting that. So I said, well, that stinks. Why don't I see if I can help these guys out? Again, 23 years old, don't know what you don't know. Just start calling around at companies, whether it's, you know, car dealerships and clothes and supplements and autograph signings and different things and setting up opportunities off the field. And fast forward, you know, did that for a year and I would give them all the money. Like I didn't take a percentage of it. I just thought it was fun, you know, um, to call around and do it. I, I wanted to be a broadcaster and uh, someone who ended up being my first client said to me, you should go get certified to be an agent, man. You're doing all the hard part, the legwork, doing all this stuff off the field. The contract's not rocket science. So I said, you're right. So uh, I went and got certified to become an agent and uh, left the Giants and uh, took a job with the New Jersey Nets for two and a half years at night and on weekends. I built the company up uh, and then left and been doing it you know, full time ever since. So that's the journey. That's fantastic. What does it mean to get certified to be an agent? I'm just curious. Yeah, so you have to apply. There's an application mm -hmm. and then the application gets approved. Then you have to take a test uh, on the collective bargaining agreement specifically for the NFL. So uh, that's what I did. I passed the test, got certified, and you know, been an agent now for close to 20 years now. So 
Get Let's hope no one listening is doing the math. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well said. Just yep. gave away your age. Yeah. So yep. one of the services that you provide as an agent is helping your athletes um, determine what their charity is, form their foundation. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, and it's funny because it's it's literally sometimes I, I when I tell people about my career in some ways, you know, it started with a no in many ways, right? You know, where you get really close, and one of the clients that uh, I started working with was Anthony Fasano, mm-hmm. um, of you know, then Miami Dolphins, and you know, actually originally he's coming out of college, and I finished in second place for Anthony, and he signed with another agency, right? I was 25 years old, 26 years old, um, and he's like, I love all the stuff you're doing off the field, but obviously you're young, you don't have a lot of experience on the you know contract side, so I'm gonna go with this agency, but I want you to help me with my off-field stuff, and so that was an entry point into you know helping with charity mm-hmm. and off-field stuff right and so um the pause there to go back just philosophically that is a foundational principle that helped us get started and something that we've never let go of because of the meaning of the value we have both personally and professionally uh for these athletes but we have four core pillars of service when we do talent representation it's contract brand building marketing and legacy and legacy we always say it's it's what you do on the field you know, determines your fame and your celebrity. What you do off the field determines your legacy. And that's both in business opportunities to help these athletes transition successfully to have meaningful, mm-hmm. valuable, rewarding business careers, but also, you know, philanthropic opportunities, right? Uh, to leave a really deep footprint so that when we tell stories of this athlete, you know, and, and their, their story will be this thin about the athletic achievements and all these other great things that we've helped create. So we take that really, really seriously. Um, so going back to Anthony, you know, this was an opportunity where Anthony said, you know, can you help me start a foundation? I said, sure, you know, and again, at that time, I didn't really know a lot about foundations, but I was trustworthy and I was gonna bust my butt to make sure we achieved whatever it was he wanted mm-hmm. to. And so that's uh, when he said he wanted to get involved with autism. Uh, I had just been recently introduced to Reed and that's where, you know, the first, um, you know, kind of athlete philanthropic initiative started with Anthony Fasano, you know, and Reed Foundation. So, um, or Reed Academy at the time. So it was, uh, it was awesome. And like I said, ever since then, it's been a, a principle that we're really, really keen on. And from our side of the mm-hmm. table, everybody hopes for something like that mm-hmm. to happen yeah. to them in their mm-hmm. nonprofit. That's pretty extraordinary. The, the athletes that you represent, do you find that there's a little bit of an education process about the importance of that legacy component? Or, or you, do you seem to have people seeking you out because they already have that passion and they know that that's something you will help foster in their career? <clears throat> it's a good question because I think every individual is different, mm-hmm. right? You know, what you find is oftentimes when you're talking to, you know, athletes coming out of college, they may be 22 years old, and hopefully they haven't been negatively impacted by something that has moved them so much, they're like, it has to be mm-hmm. this, right? Um, and then you have uh, individuals that kind of, as they go through establishing themselves in the league, it's like they're, they're asked to constantly do all these different things. They say, I want to help focus my attention to deepen the impact that I'm going to have. So try to find that one thing that they might tap into. And so a good example of that is the McCordy twins, Devin and Jason. You know, they came out of college, right? And we had a really good relationship with them. They would t- attend these different events that we were working on with other athletes. And you're like, you know, I'd, I'd like to do something like this one day. And you know, the next year they came to the event and they said, hey, by the way, we're ready to talk. Um, we want to we want to get going. I said, well, what do you want to do? And they said, you know, we want to, you know, attack sickle cell disease and support families uh, battling sickle cell. So it was like, great. So now we set this up. But I think the education 
uh, part of it comes in. The fact that like coming out of school or even just early on, like athletes think I want to start a foundation. And as you guys know, there is a lot Mm -hmm. that goes on behind the scenes with a foundation, right? And so what we've started to do is like, you know, direct that energy, direct that attention, direct that excitement towards a pre-existing nonprofit that is already serving the community you're passionate about, right? Mm -hmm. So that way there's already an infrastructure, right? You know, if you want to help people with sickle cell disease, how do you identify who needs the help? How can I help them? How much? How do I verify this, right? So if you work with an organization, which with the McCordy Twins, we partnered with Embrace Kids Foundation to launch Tackle Sickle Cell, it allows us to really effectively serve that community mm-hmm. because all of the, you know, the resources are put together. Right? The infrastructure is yeah. there. Yeah, I love that. There's so yeah. much redundancy, you mm-hmm. know, and I, I think that's a really smart shift that you made. Um, it's it's pretty efficient. Yeah, yeah. And, and in time, there might be, you know, the right move might be to launch your own foundation, to start your own foundation. That's certainly a possibility. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, a blanket rule across mm-hmm. the board. But what we found out is that starting out, it also really helps you figure out, like, okay, well, that was more than I thought I could take on. Mm-hmm. Or, like, I want to double down. I want to do even more. I want to invest more money. I want to invest more time, more resources. How can we grow this? Mm-hmm. Who can we partner with? How can we get the word out? Mm-hmm. So. I think, I'm sorry, I, I could tell you wanted to ask nope, a question. Totally um, I think that for nonprofits um, wanting to have a relationship with an athlete, one of the questions that, you know, we always kind of talk about internally is, is how do we um, cultivate that relationship authentically and yet not be, you know, they there's a lot of demands on their time, mm-hmm. there's a lot of demands on their resources. Mm-hmm. And so what tips might you offer to <clears throat> someone like us who – we really do want to know our donors and we want to we want to make it a partnership that works for them and mm-hmm. you know obviously helps them to impact our mission as well but we want to do it in a in a in a real and true way yeah um there's a lot that goes into that right you know the and it's really no different than don't you know developing a donor base in general right is the same way i think in any relationship whether you're an athlete or not it's like go in asking questions what are your goals? What are you passionate about? Why are you in this space? How can we help you, you know, create a deeper legacy? How can we, you know, as, as opposed to what you can do for us, mm-hmm. right? So going to those conversations, trying to figure out like, what is your time allocation, right? What are you hoping to get out of this? And then how can we maximize that, mm-hmm. right? Um, I also think that, you know, athletes, and, and this is this is a fine line, right? Because especially in development, right? And fundraising mm-hmm. is an enormous part of operating a successful mm-hmm. nonprofit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as someone who sits in the agency who sees how many people attach an athlete and they say, dollars, yep. they're, mm-hmm. they're dollars, they're, they're gonna be the ends, the means, right? So I think leaning into the conversation without ever bringing up money, right? It's what are you trying to get out of this? Because everyone has enormous value. Again, whether you're an athlete or not, you know, maybe there's a relationship circle that you can bring into, maybe an introduction, maybe there's media that you can bring to it, right? Um, So many people in an athlete's life view them as a solution financially, Mm -hmm. that once you enter that Mm -hmm. conversation, and you lead with that, you know, how much are you looking to spend? How much can you donate this Mm -hmm. year, then immediately, whether it's subconscious or conscious, you're in that bucket with everyone else Mm -hmm. that I came to you because I wanted to help 
and you viewed me as a dollar sign. Mm -hmm. So I think for cultivating, that's a super important thing, right? You should value relationship first mm -hmm. and everything else will come in due time mm -hmm. if the relationship is flourishing and you have mm -hmm. a good back and forth. Um, but I think asking questions is really the, the most important thing, right? Because you want to ensure that someone has a genuine passion for your cause, right? Because they become an ambassador out there. Um, and then just understanding what it is that they're hoping to get out of the relationship and how you can build that for them. Yeah, that's great advice. Yeah. And I think athletes, athletes are in such a unique position to use this platform. Um, you've mentioned you've done this for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. What impact have you seen? Well, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. Um, we've raised over $3 million net profit for different nonprofits through all the mm -hmm. different organizations that we work with and charitable mm -hmm. initiatives and that's and that's profit you know so obviously uh there's so much energy and excitement but you know athletes getting nominated for the walter payton man of the mm -hmm. year award you know uh giving you know the, the twins are now actually on the the board of the boston medical center right you know uh, athletes doing the you know hospital visits and the personal appearances mm -hmm. and the things that are also unseen um, in this, but you just start to see also the relationships that they build behind the scenes with business folks because they're finding like-minded people, right? Um, I think when you enter the charity space, it's really a character filter, right? You find mm -hmm. out who's there for the genuine you know, reasons, who's there to do the work and, and to put the time in. And I think you know, that perfect example of the twins being on the board, I mean, you know, they're NFL players. Jason just recently retired now and is, is a broadcaster. But the idea that they're hopping on these board calls is, is, is really wild, right? You know, correlate different things and trying to figure out how to, you know, generate revenue and generate finances. You know, Brandon Copeland uh, is an athlete, you know, who's a 10-year NFL veteran whose, you know, platform is financial literacy. And so he's, while an active player in the NFL, um, going back and developing curriculum at UPenn and teaching financial literacy stuff like you know building your credit score and you know how to purchase a home things they don't really teach you in mm -hmm. school um, and so for him to then go back and hold these camps for hundreds and hundreds of kids what an inspiration that he is going to be for them as they move forward is to be able to look up to this role model that this guy's a great football player but he's coming here and he's talking to me about how to you know confidently handle money right and to learn more so um i mean there's so much of an impact and what's really cool is just you know sometimes you don't see it in the short term and then over time it manifests itself we did years ago uh devin mccourty was doing a turkey drive um in boston and fast forward four years later uh him and jason are hosting um, this nonprofit who helps you know students get it from high school into college gets them uh, finances to help that and the valedictorian who's giving a speech that night was a kid who received a free turkey from mm -hmm. Devin four years earlier wow. and he's like I remember that day when I met you I never forgot you thank you so much and here you are hosting this event right and so it manifests itself in so many ways sometimes mm -hmm. it's finance sometimes inspiration sometimes it's you know again something that and we it hasn't even washed up on the shore yet that we don't even know, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So uh, for myself and the team at Malka, um, you know, for, for some of us, you know, well, Kevin Malice played on the NFL, our VP of talent, so he's a little bit different. But for the most of us, we walk into a hospital room, it's not going to light a kid's face up, you know. But when these athletes come in there and spend the time and say you matter we care about you yeah i played yesterday but here i am like you just don't realize the impact it has and there's a million stories we could tell but there's one in particular of a young man sean martin who was battling uh, pediatric cancer 
I'm not gonna, mm-hmm. gonna be careful of this story because mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. it is it is emotional because I do remember mm-hmm. the, the the moment. But um, you know, Brian Leonard, uh, who was a football mm-hmm. player at the time, and Kevin Malice, who's a, 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 then a client and now works with us, had gone into this hospital room to see this kid, and he lit up like a Christmas tree. And he was so excited. And he was 18 years old. And he was battling you know, cancer, yet he was so happy and thrilled. And his mother, I stepped out, you know, in the hallway and his mother's shoulders completely dropped and she fell into me and starts crying. And she's like, thank you so much. You have no idea. He hasn't smiled in weeks. And here these guys are going in. So what is the value? What is the return? Sometimes it's, you know, money. Sometimes it's a moment of rest or excitement, or you can imagine giving a moment of relief to Mm -hmm. a mother of a child who's battling cancer. Mm -hmm. It's just... Um, remarkable. And so that was like an early on moment that was like, we're going to make this a forever thing that we can do. And great, grateful that we get to work with the athletes who care yeah, enough to absolutely. do that stuff. So mm-hmm. yeah, long answer. Yeah, no, a lot. We get a lot out of it. It was a good one. So meaningful. Is there a sweet spot, you know, between the passion, the awareness, the accessibility and the impact? Oh, that's a great question. I think it all just starts with passion. Right. Mm-hmm. Like like that's the, the the centerpiece, because if you're passionate about it, right, then you'll do the work. You'll show up when it's hard, when you have a, a game and you fly in late the night mm-hmm. before, but or you lose a tough game and you have to show up to a bowling event the next day and be happy and excited, you know, when you're really mm-hmm. disappointed about what happened. So I think, you know, the sweet spot is always passion. Right. Because then also you'll want to go out and actively fundraise for that organization. You may put, you know, your very own, well, put money in yourselves. Mm-hmm. We work with a lot of athletes who take their endorsement deals and have them go directly to the charities, right? And so um, I think it all starts with passion. When you're really excited about something and you care deeply, um, you know, oftentimes whatever, you know, athlete, you know, Mike Burton, you know, he had been touched, you know, by cancer, by a very good friend of hers who lost his mother. And so, you know, cancer was something he wanted to help with. He also wanted to help with children. So pediatric cancer was a thing. And, you know, Mohammed Sanu being able to go and make these, you know, hospital visits and the things that he was passionate about Mm -hmm. and and excited about, um, you know, just if you care deeply about these things, Anthony's family have been touched by Mm -hmm. autism, you know, diabetes, whatever it is, when you're touched by it and you're excited about it, that's when you're going to get the best results, right? Because you follow through Mm -hmm. on everything. So I think that's really what it comes down to, the passion. And, you know, having spent my entire career in in nonprofits, I think that the the unintended consequence of some of that work that these athletes are doing is they're teaching a whole – the whole next generation about the importance of philanthropy. So yeah. they may not be, you know, my kids may not be in an event that somebody's hosting, but I bet they see it on social media. And I bet this, the way they see the way that these athletes are spending their time and choosing to use their platform. And, you know, I could say it a thousand times to my kids, right? But they yeah. see their favorite athlete doing that and it, it sticks with them. So it's I think it's, yeah, I think there's a lot of mm-hmm. um, unintended benefit there yeah. as well. I think it's, it's inspirational. I also think it's teaches empathy. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, and like that there's things outside of yourself. I mean, you know, the athletes are no different. They are not untouched by tragedy mm-hmm. in their own life or mm-hmm. difficult circumstances, you know, and I think for them, you know, to be able to show their vulnerability and their accessibility to young, you know, individuals in particular who, you know, like you said, as a parent, sometimes mm-hmm. like you could say it a million times, they're going to listen to somebody else. That's mm-hmm. just a reality, mm-hmm. no matter how great of a parent, you know, or how hard you try. It's the same thing, you know. 
I can walk into a hospital room and bring positivity and energy. But if someone that just scored a touchdown the week before is right behind me, they're yeah. going to be a heck of a lot happier to see yeah. that person. You I know, mean, you so. definitely bring the hype back. There's no <laughs> doubt about it. It's um, all hype. No, it's all sizzle. There's no so stick. much substance there. Can I, can I change topics a little bit, mm-hmm. which is to, to kind of talk about, I think, the business of, mm-hmm. we'll talk autism specifically, mm-hmm. right, and how we've seen um, – stadiums now having, um, you know, autism-friendly events or spaces or, you know, movie theaters having or, or performing arts, you mm-hmm. know, having quieter, you know, performances or uh, events where people can walk around. Is that altruistic or is it because there's money to be made in, in bringing in the autism community? <clears throat> is it, I'm just. Uh, it's, it's a great question, right? And like everybody would have to make their own statement on it mm-hmm. for themselves. I think there is things that, you know, I think when you look at the autism community, right, you know, how big is it versus bottom line, right? Everyone has to make their own decisions. But I think when you look at who is behind those moves, it goes back to someone who's touched by that mm-hmm. cause, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think there is a genuineness to it. I think um, it's easy to be skeptical, right? And say, well, they're doing it for this reason, but like on a greater good, isn't it better for all of us that someone is acting in this way and creating a space that is like comfortable and safe and accepting of more. And then also it becomes like they're influential to other organizations say, I want to be a part of that. Right. So a company says, Hey, we think it's important in our stadium to have a room that individuals with autism mm-hmm. can come into this space and feel comfortable. Right. Well, then that's going to create other spaces around the NFL or Major League Baseball mm-hmm. and soccer, et cetera, basketball that want to do the same, right? So, you know, why it's being done, yes, there is certainly, I'm sure, you know, certain organizations that would say that they're doing this because it's going to help impact the bottom line. But I think for the greater good, mm-hmm. we all benefit by the idea that, you know, it's happening. Um, but again, everyone would probably have to answer that for themselves. No, I think that's a great answer. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, Jen and I can tell you that for everywhere we go and we talk about read and what we do there's always I've never been anywhere where somebody didn't say you know my neighbor has autism mm-hmm. my my cousin you know and then there's this you you get to hear people's stories and and people do want to be helpful so I, I like that answer we have team members again I've had a relationship with read for probably now 15 years but we have team members you know here that got introduced to read through this mm-hmm. and I had no idea they had a family member themselves, mm-hmm. and it allowed for a pathway for a conversation yeah. to get brought up. And that's why we, when we talked about even the idea of doing mm-hmm. this, right, it's like you never know what the entry point is going to be, right? And so mm-hmm. it's just the same thing with the idea of a stadium allowing it. It's mm-hmm. going to create a conversation. Someone's going to see that in a news article, and they're going to say, wow, that's a great idea mm-hmm. that they're doing that. You know, I'm impacted by this way. So, like, it mm-hmm. just creates a pathway for conversation which then leads to, you know, communities being able to get together, which can strengthen them. And so I think, you know, all of that is just, you know, super important. Mm -hmm. So this has been fantastic. And one of the things we like to do at the end of a podcast is just start, you know, really getting to know you as a person. And we sort of, um, you know, take some inspiration from the Proust questionnaire. So if you're willing, we have just a couple of like, you know, get to know your questions. Let's go. Okay. What is your favorite word? So that's that's that is good. So um, I did mm-hmm. hear you use this in a, a previous interview, right? Uh-huh. So, I, so I did. I 
did my homework. Well, You've been listening. Homework. He's such a good guest. So I asked uh, a couple of team members in here, and, and it's a favorite word. Uh, first person said, yup. Yup. So okay. yup would be someone like, yup, all right. So apparently I say yup a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then someone else thought it's really not like uh, a word. It's a phrase. It's let's go. You know, like let's go. Mm-hmm. You know? okay. um, which I do use a lot. Uh, but if, if, if you're trying to I was thinking about, you know, what is something actually meaningful mm-hmm. or reflects what I hope you know, to bring, right? Uh, it, w- it would be love in the fact that you want to lead with love. Uh, I heard a good friend of mine say that years ago uh, that he leads with love and it stuck with me because it's really something that I try to do. And it doesn't mean like lead as in leadership. It means like it's the first thing that enters the room, right? I'm optimistic in relationships that I walk into. I want to help. I want that room to be better because I'm in it. And, you know, so leading with love is probably, you know, the word that I would you know, say it's my favorite word, right? You try to bring it to any relationship, whether you're coaching or you're a participant or you're a team member in any way, shape, or form, um, because it it creates, uh, it's cohesive, it's a bonding thing, right? You know, as opposed to, you know, bringing in any sort of other energy. If you bring love first, I think that'll be a win. That is such a beautiful and meaningful answer. I think that when I wrote that down, I someone could say elbow. Because that's a funny word. You know, I like that word, elbow. I, I thought it was better than yup. Yeah. Well, let's, I mean, let's just say he did He did know this was coming. Yes, I so did. he did, did a lot, did but, I, but I really like it. And I, had to be, I had to be thoughtful mm-hmm. about it. For people listening, they don't know Pat, but we can vouch right. for this that that is how you live it's your life. Spot so on. nailed it. It is spot on. Nailed it. We feel the love when he walks yeah. in. The yeah, we do. We do. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us today. No. Yeah, you're not only fun, but you're smart. You're like the full package, Pat. And he's got heart. And he's got heart. And he leads with love. Yeah, there we go. We're going to chop this up. You guys are making us we look need, good. So yeah. appreciate it. Yeah, you can use these sound bites. For your own, your you know, your own purposes. Yes, we do need more Pats in this world. He. He won't, you know, own up to it, but mm-hmm. he really is always, you know, thinking about Reed and thinking mm-hmm. about how he can impact autism and even being here today. Um, I think we we took more than nine minutes, but thanks mm-hmm. for graciously giving those to us. I'll cancel the rest of the day. Yeah, you guys, you guys are going to keep on talking about these so nice generous. things. Say such a, I'll just stick around. You can keep on going. But you know, there's love in the room when Pat's in. The, That's right. Pat walks in the door. Appreciate it, guys. But um, in, in all seriousness, going back to where mm-hmm. we started at the top, like this is so great that you're doing this because you just never know, you know, where you're going to meet somebody on their journey, mm-hmm. and to hear all the different topics and the people you know that you on top of what you're already doing day to day, the meaningful impact, right? You know, like I get to come in and share as a part of it um, as a board member, but, and that's amazing, but the reality is you guys are on the front lines every single day making meaningful, meaningful, impacting meaningful change. And so we're excited to be able to get to support where and when we can and how we can and and leverage relationships, et cetera. Um, But literally the staff and the team and all the way back to the teachers at the academy, you know, you guys are the ones choosing to make this your life's work every day. And so whoever you're bringing on is great because they're in these different areas, but like never forget that without you guys, you know, on the front lines, like no, nothing moves forward. So um, again, I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me and continue to you know put this out there into the world. Appreciate Thank it. You. Thanks, Pat. You're we the best. It. Awesome. All right, guys. We high five. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Changemakers in Autism. We hope you enjoyed the episode. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Read Autism Services.
Like, follow, and subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts.